Uh, welcome back to our podcast, the Patriot Preacher Podcast. It is a mouthful. Last year I was just saying, welcome back to my podcast, but I want people to know where to find it, where to go. It's on Apple Podcasts, and it's also on Spotify. And I'll look at later on getting it on more platforms, but right now I think this is enough. Anybody can find it. Anybody can download it. And I want to welcome everyone once again to another episode of Season 2 here. And today, uh, once again, I'm still at the uh, Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development. People ask me why I come here. Well, this is where I attended school. This is where I graduated from. And I know the brethren here teach sound truth. You know, I didn't want to go somewhere where I could get some truth and a lot of opinion. I I came to where I know where they study the Bible every day. The professors here have to study the Bible every day because they are teaching other people. And so this forces them to study, and that's why I came here. So my name's Dan Fraley. This is my podcast. Today, I have with me Ethan Tate. Ethan, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Um, thank you, Dan. Uh, I appreciate being invited on here. Uh, um, my name's Ethan Tate. I'm the Dean of Media here at the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development I am actually an alumni of the school as well. Um, just found the study of the Bible to be fascinating. And really, going through school, it, it started making I could actually create my own faith in the sense of I could find the answers myself from God's Word, and that that's really hard in today's time. But uh, through some study and the grace of uh, Wesley Simons, um, he's he's allowed me to to be here, and along with the other faculty, it's it's been quite a journey, but. I also uh, preach for the Rogersville Church of Christ in Rogersville, Tennessee, and I've been the preacher there for a year and a half so far. That's great, uh, and this is why I came here. Like I said, uh, Wesley has been, you've heard Wesley. If you're just now tuning in, I've had Wesley on for the last couple of episodes to begin season two. I'm trying to move through as many faculty members as I can, and so uh, and today I'm truly blessed to have Brother Ethan Tate uh, talk with us. We've been talking about here lately in these podcasts and this season, we've been talking about, we started out with the problem of good versus evil. Wesley did a, an, an excellent job of breaking down an atheist's only argument for, uh, for why God does not exist. And, of course, it is the existence of evil, and it, and Wesley just got through demolishing that. So if you are just now tuning in, please go back and listen to that. Uh, then we got into Psalm chapter 19, and we talked about general revelation and special revelation. Folks, we're going to spend the next couple of episodes uh, diving in a little bit more to general revelation and special revelation. Today's topic is going to be general revelation, right, Ethan? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> And so, Ethan, uh, why don't you talk about and tell me a little bit about some of the consequences of general revelation? Okay, so when we're talking about general revelation, and and Wesley kind of alluded to this, uh, especially with the idea of the heavens declare uh, uh, firmament or the glory of God. Um, When you look at Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and the, the book really a complex book about the the system that God had created for salvation and really the complexities involved with trying to understand what what's this sin problem and how do we get out of it? And is it just meant for one group of people or is it meant for all people? And here we find the purpose of the gospel. 
If you look in uh, Romans 1, verse 16, uh, Paul would write, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, even though I'm starting in these verses, what Romans 1, 16 and 17 tells us is this is what the Bible is designed to do. It is designed to show to you how to understand God's righteousness, not necessarily everything about God, but how you too can share in that same kind of character, how you can be righteous before God. That is a special revelation, which we'll talk about at a, on a different po- uh, episode. But on this one, if you continue in the text, there is a way that one cannot look at the Bible and come to understand that there is something more. And I believe Wesley had talked about that a little bit. If you continue in the text, he would say in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. Now, what's interesting, it doesn't, sh- it doesn't tell us in these two verses how God has showed them or how God has made it manifest in them. But what verse 20 does is it tells us this is the evidence God has placed for us to understand there is something more. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, there is a lot in this verse. This is where the concept of general revelation, and it was talked about from Psalm 19, this is where we can look at this and really think about this a little bit more. The Bible would say, at least God revealing to us, if you want to know that there is something greater that exists, look to creation. Now, he's, he's not necessarily talking about the go back to the creation story. I mean, obviously, uh, Brother Wesley had talked about either matter is eternal or there had to be a designer. Well, it's, it's the latter. Um, since God created all things, God has put fingerprints through creation or by nature that we can look at and we can see how things interact and look at the complexities of the way that they're built and designed, and we can come to the understanding, not that, oh, I must hear, believe, repent, be baptized, and be faithful to the end, and I'll receive a crown of life. That's not what nature shows us. And if someone says, well, I should be able to know everything about God through nature, you misunderstand the design and the purpose of nature. The main aspect of general revelation is to reveal to man there is something more. And it's interesting as you look throughout the Old Testament, think about some of the pagan gods. Dagon is a fish god the Philistines worshipped, but they were located in cities that was along the coastal line of Israel next to the Mediterranean Sea. That makes sense. That's a natural thing. They try to relate, you know, if this is where we get our living from, Obviously, if we worship our living, we'll be blessed more. You look in Canaan, you'll find the gods of Baal, Ashtoreth, Molech, along with many others. Where did these gods, lowercase g, come from? Well, it came from their minds. And someone might say, well, Ethan, how do you know that? Well, it's interesting you would say that. 
as you go through the text in Romans 1 after verse 20, it would start pointing out in verse 21 that even though they knew God or had the ability to know who God was, through, or at least know there was a divine being through creation, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their hearts and their foolish heart or their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. And it's going to show other things. God gave them up to their lust and their passion because they didn't want to retain the knowledge of God in their minds and their hearts. And they turned God into something that he was not. Now, it doesn't mean that they're more powerful than God. Don't, don't lose this. If you look back at verse 16 and 17, the purpose of truth, and it even shows in verse 18, they suppress the truth of God by their unrighteousness. So general revelation in and of itself is undefiled, it's pure, the fingerprints of God can be seen clearly through it. The problem is, is when man starts stepping in, just like the Canaanites, just like the Philistines, any, any other nation who comes up with a false god or some other god, and it could be any religious system, that is not the god of not just the Bible, the God of everything, the God of all creation. And we read about him and his ways through Scripture. Nature is going to reveal to us a couple of really interesting things that kind of bring up questions on, well, how can there be something more? Uh, how, can, how can there be something powerful? Um, and I think, Dan, really, when, when we look around, um, how can we not just start looking at the mountains and the clouds and the different kinds of animals. Don't look at the sun, but if you look at the <laughs> sun, uh, you can look at the moon. It's not as bright. Um, when you look at those, how can those just by happenstance just suddenly appear? Do we have a God that just, well, here you go, and uh, I'll see you in a couple thousand years? Well, there's no way you can. There's no, way, there's no logical way that you can look at the creation and say, okay, all of this evolved from, what, nothing? You know, when I was in college, I had a professor hand, have a handout, and I'm sure he may listen to this one day, I don't know. Uh, but uh, he had a handout, and the whole argument was the, the culmination of that paper that he gave was an article. And the culmination of it was that life began on rocks, old rocks in Australia, and that defies really all logic. But the way it was twisted, it made it seem logical. But when you get to the heart, and this is where people get deceived, they make it sound good, they dress it up, but it, it is what it is. It's still rocks creating life in Australia, no matter how you try to dress it up. And this is their problem. I like a lot of what you said there concerning general revelation because what it does, it gets to the heart. And I want to read a little bit out of Job chapter 38 here when he is... I don't want to say he's rebuking Job, but he is letting Job know who the Creator is, right? He says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? And, of course, he's talking about Job's friends. Mm -hmm. If you go through the book of Job, folks, and you read it, you know that there are three or four people in there not telling the truth, and then you know Job is telling the truth because the Bible says in all this Job sinned not. So he was telling the truth about the nature of God, the attributes of God. But he says here, he says, 
Where was you or where was you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. So he's he's reminding Job that he is the creator. He is reminding Job that, yes, he allowed it to be known. His his By giving man understanding, by giving men the ability to reason, he allowed man to understand through general revelation that God is the creator. And he lets it known to Job here. He says, Who hath laid the measures thereof, if you know, or hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? You know, I think about the creation of God and, and going back a little bit to good and evil, and, and I can't help but think, being a veteran also, thinking about what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Can you imagine what it would be like if there was no God? I can't even imagine. I don't even want to think about that. It would be if we did not have his guidance, if we could not look at the world around us and say, who created this? And if he is our creator, we have an obligation to follow him, right? I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me. Absolutely. And I mean, for someone who says, well, I I know that, we'll use hypothetically, I know the sponge created me. So I, I know you say that I should give him homage and pay respect to him, but, you know, I just don't feel like it. You know, if we were to try that with our parents, I'm not trying to equivalent God with our parents, but if, uh, if we were to do that with our parents, you know, we wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> no. Especially growing up. Um, and there's this, there's this sense that we kind of try to create our own um, self-righteousness. And I mean, you, you think of uh, Jeremiah 10, 23. Uh, it's not a man who walks to direct his own steps. So who does he look to? Well, he looks to the creator of all things. And when you start looking to the creator of all things, that's where we start going into the realm of special revelation. And just like you said, how did, how did Job know the character of God as opposed to his friends? Well, if you look through Job, you're going to find there were a lot of philosophical thoughts as to how life operates, how it works, and how we should really respond to some of the, the more complex things of life, like pain, evil, suffering. Uh, obviously, you must be a wicked man or bad things wouldn't happen to you. Well, Jesus was the most righteous man ever to live, yet he was crucified on a cross. And you're telling me that he was the greatest sinner to ever live as well? And that, that doesn't make sense. And that's not he the rece- case. Yeah, he received the greatest punishment of anyone in the history of any time for what he went through. So according to Eliphaz's out of Job's argument that he must be the most wicked man that ever lived. Yeah, and that's that's contradictory. You just took the atonement for all mankind and you just you you polluted it. And that's that's not right. But even um, the the characteristic of, of of general revelation, when you start looking at a consequence of trying to equivalent where everything came from to a source that is not God, that creates some problems. Now, what you end up doing when you start saying, you know, I look around at creation and uh, I just can't see myself in saying, you know, maybe there's just one person who's over all of this. So, you know what, instead, I'll just create multiple gods for different things. 
The sun will be its own god. Uh, let's look to Egypt for this in their history. Uh, the sun is a god. The moon is a god. The water is a god. The the um, uh, ground is a god. The grass is a god. Uh, cows are a god. Alligators are a god. Hippopotamus is a god. Uh, because just a god with all power, that just that seems too surreal. We can, We can't have that. Well, it's interesting. You look in Exodus. And you start looking at the plagues from chapter 7 to uh, 12. And each of those, if you look in Exodus chapter 12, um, I want to say it's either 12.12 or 12.20, but in chapter 12 for sure, I do know that. Um, It says that the punishment for the plagues was supposed to be a judgment not just upon Egypt, but it was also supposed to be a judgment upon the gods of Israel. Um, or not Israel, of, of uh, Egypt. I've got multiple thoughts in my mind. Um, but even though there was a judgment that was passed in through that, it's uh, verse 12. Uh, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute I am the Lord. And it's interesting in that passage, for the gods of Egypt, it's lowercase g. Now that's interesting because we would think gods is always capital G. Well, if the divine one actually did have more than one, uh, and I think a, t- a conversation on the Godhead would be an interesting topic to go through, uh, but in the sense of one authoritative standard, that, that's God. That's the God we see from the very beginning. And God says, uh, Egypt, uh, you've created all these false gods. I'm going to show you I'm the only one. And it's interesting when you look at the story of uh, Joshua, and Rahab, uh, you start seeing uh, when she's explaining to the spies why she's helping them. We heard what you did to the two kings and the Egyptians and the gods of the Egyptians. What, what do you mean? Well, uh, you utterly destroyed them. I thought all gods were equally powerful. No, no, no. There's only one God. And it's interesting, even God would tell uh, the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 6, Israel... The Lord your God is one Lord, one God. There is only one absolute. But when we start looking at nature and say there must be a multiplicity of gods, what you're actually doing is you're lowering the ability and the ways that God actually works. And what's interesting about God, and someone says, if I can't understand everything about God, then I don't, I don't want to trust that God. Well, that's a human idea. The idea about God is that if we can understand him and we can know everything there is to know about him, he can't be God because that makes him tangible and that puts limitations on him. The God of the Bible has no limitations in the sense that he will always, in the ultimate sense, be ultimately loving. He will be ultimately just. He will be ultimately righteous. And in the sense of being just... He will act on both his mercy and his wrath equally in its ultimate sense, based upon his character. The problem is, is we try to understand God through nature alone, and that's that's a problem. That that's what happened with the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Philistines. They were trying to make God out of nature, and we can't do that. There must be something more, and there is. So, what spectrum would that be? You know, when you think about. Uh, well, getting back to this idea of worldviews, right? So we have theism, which is the closest to God. We, a person who is theistic in their view, they believe 
mostly mostly in one God, God of the Bible. When you're taught what you're talking about, it sounds like naturalism, which is a That's couple of steps away. So so you have deism. We kind of missed that one. Could you talk a little bit about deism? So when you when you look at a broad study of worldviews, and this is this is something that's that's really interesting. And uh, I was reading through a research paper, and it said, you know, when you look at most schools or you look at society as a whole, there are very few classes or very few schools that actually teach from a specific worldview perspective, because worldview is is a culmination of what you believe in theism. They believe in God. They believe, um, well, they believe in God, not necessarily the same things about God. That's what brings up the different branches. But theistic is God is involved. Uh, Deism is there is some kind of separation between the divine and the temporal, uh, meaning God and man. And God has somehow separated himself from man and kind of left things going in motion until he comes back into the picture. Well, that's not accurate as well, because just like you said, could you imagine a world without God? Well, if God brought order out of nothing, um, what do you think uh, would happen if someone who brought order into the world left and the one who rules over order leaves? That's complete chaos. It's complete opposite. Naturalism is the idea of everything just kind of happens naturally, and we base our ideas off of survival of the fittest, so to speak, and it's all about natural things. When I go, kind of getting back, yeah, we touched on naturalism. I want to read this passage concerning deism and, and basically the refutation of it. But it says here in Psalm 139, right, would mm. Psalm 139 not just completely destroy deism? Where it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but deism is a is the idea of what you just said, where you believe that God exists but you don't believe he is personally involved in your life. Would that be an accurate definition of it? Yeah, that's that's one of the aspects. Um, as long as God is separated from his creation, then that's more of a, a deism-type idea. And even through the Proverbs, it brings out this idea of someone who does wickedness in the darkness. Uh, well, why? Well, it's so his evil deeds can't be seen. And we see that kind of played out through the prophets as well in their condemnation to other nations, but the idea that God is separated, where that, what we end up doing is we start creating these excuses or trying to justify our misdoings and our misdeeds, and even trying to pollute and dis- delude or destroy, however you want to say it, um, the truth, and we start turning the reality of things into something that it's really not. But in our minds, we're convinced about it, and the idea of of understanding. And again, it goes back to the idea of how much has God revealed to us about himself? Well, not everything. Uh, You look at what Jesus would say to his disciples from John 14 to 16. Uh, He brings out this idea, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. There's a lot of things that we are not going to know about God in this life. and, And Ethan, how can you say that if you know you can't know everything about God? Well, because not everything is revealed about God. God says, I have, I've not. That's not the purpose of the Bible. Right. And that, that goes into the idea of special revelation. But in the, the 
the idea of deism, God has revealed some things about him. But if I choose to ignore the evidence that the Bible presents about God, then I might start viewing this idea that maybe deism actually is true because there still is evil and pain and suffering. And uh, there, it, it doesn't seem like God's people who claims to be God's people, they're not being as blessed as they ought to. And then my question to that is, well, how do you know that's the case? Uh, what, what evidence do you have for that? Well, don't you see the continuing progression of evil? Well, how, do you, how are you basing that standard? And it all comes back to the standard. What are, what are you basing this more than just observation? What else is telling you that is the case? Yeah, that's excellent. We're going to come back. Uh, we kind of run out of time for this episode, but we're going to pick back up right there where we left off when we come back. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, definitely left a good good hanging question this time, and so I'm thankful. Uh, so when we come back, we will address that question, what evidence do we have? How do we know the difference between theism, deism, naturalism, and what do all these things mean? How do they shape our thoughts? So we're going to come back with uh, Brother Ethan here in just a moment, and we'll uh, we'll get to that question. Thank you guys for tuning in. <music> 